day. No, I, I know that it wasn't my start day, but uh, Jen is not in on Friday, so we touched base with her a little bit, and then I came in Friday and uh, got a chance to see Ava's program that I've only heard about, and um, wow, uh, uh, I'd heard about it, and I, told, I was told how amazing the, the parent and Todd group is, uh, but to actually see it in action, um, and it was, she, uh, Sophia told me that it was a down day for attendance, that they only had 75, 80 people out. Um, but uh, you have to look out because even though there's only 75, these little guys are riding around on, the, on the, their bikes all around the, the outside and um, you'll get run over. They haven't learned about traffic violations yet. We have to come up with some form of ticketing. Maybe that's some in, income for us. Um, and the parents were great uh, from all over the place. They were friendly, welcoming, so excited about being here. Um, well, th- this place is alive. And uh, so I'm excited about seeing that happen and Jeff's programs and all the other different things that go on um, that, we don't, that we don't see on Sunday mornings. But I'm also excited about Sunday mornings. Uh, I'm so encouraged about the, uh, the worship teams that we have here and... Um, like it, we've been coming for 20 years. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, just over 20 years, and um, I'm always blown away at. Like I can't think of a bad Sunday morning, um, in in the worship that we've had here over those those 20 years with different ones leading us. Uh, but what a blessing we have, and and that they have we have different teams for a smaller congregation that we are are so blessed in this regard. So again, thanks for all those that are are involved, those who have been involved, uh, it's amazing. Um, And I'm honored to be able to be, uh, to have been chosen to to fill in here uh, for the next four months. Uh, That's what we have agreed to. We'll we'll work through that shortly. I'll I'll show you what we have uh, talked with the the deacons about my role. Uh, But a little bit of background in case you didn't know. and that's that uh, I was born in Scarborough, raised in a Christian home. You, uh, most of you know that my father was a pastor um, in the inner city. Uh, I grew up in two churches. I had dual citizenship re- regarding that. My mother was Salvation Army, and that was the, our home church that was closer to us. I was the first baby dedicated at Scarborough Citadel at Warden and Lawrence. That's my lone claim to fame. Um, and uh, And... So Sunday mornings, we'd be at Salvation Army. Sunday afternoon, evening, we'd be at Riverside. Sundays were a crazy day in our household. Um, when I was eight years old, we went down to Cook's Presbyterian Church on Good Friday. And, uh, and there we watched a, a, a film. Uh, and it was about the life of Christ and the death of Christ. And when I saw Jesus dying on the cross, I knew he was dying for me. And so at that point in time, I dedicated my life to Christ and said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Now I became a teenager. That rededication had to happen on an annual basis and sometimes more. Uh, And I've shared this part of my story is that when I was 18 years old and um, going back and forth between two different worlds, um, I'd started reading the Bible when I was 15. Uh, Decided I was going to read it all the way through. And I finally came to the book of Revelation when I was 18. And I remember on a Friday night after being out with my friends, and I still faithfully was reading my Bible, uh, chapter and night more or less, 
And I came to that part in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus says, I, I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And there about 1 o'clock in the morning, Jesus said to me, so what's it going to be, Bill? You're going to continue sitting on the fence and taking, dipping into both worlds, or are you going to come and follow me? I thought about it and then said, Jesus, here I am. You got me. My life is for you. And so at that time, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just finished high school. I was taking a year off. And uh, I remember having a t- one of the worst jobs ever in life that I could imagine. Um, and I knew I wanted to go back to university, but I didn't know what for. And I went to visit my sister. And um, we were at, at the Pickle Barrel, the old Pickle Barrel, which was just down in the same plaza. And I'm crying here at the table going, Lois, I don't know what to do with my life. And she's laughing at me. And she said, well, you're the only person that doesn't know. And I said, what do you mean? She said, we all know you're going into the ministry. And I said, well, why didn't somebody else tell me that? Like God. And she said, you're just so stupid, you don't listen. <laughs> I still love her. Um, and so it came time to enroll. I had to wrestle with that for a few months. But uh, I remember filling out all my applications and I got a letter back from what was then Ontario Bible College and they said to me, uh, they sent a letter back to me saying, we've got all your references and and everything, but we don't have an actual application from you. And I realized I hadn't mailed my share. I went over the form and I remembered why, because I didn't know what I wanted to sign up for. I didn't know if I should take the one year, the three year, the four year program. So I said to God, tell you what, God, I'll make a deal. I'll give you the next four years of my life. And during those four years, I expect that you'll show me what to do with it. And so during those four years, each year, there's a a little bit more revelation. I knew that my calling was uh, to the poor in Toronto. um, and, uh, And that he gave me Isaiah chapter 58 as my calling. Three weeks after graduating, I started at Young Street Mission, as most of you know. And I worked there for over 35 years taking on different roles, had seven different roles uh, during that time. Uh, I would always tell people, my calling isn't to Young Street Mission, it's to the poor of the city, and people used to laugh. Um, And uh, changes have happened over my life. Uh, Oh, during that time, uh, I was attending Riverside Church, which in 1984 officially joined the Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada, or the Missionary Church is what it was known as back then. and uh, in 1986, uh, the pastor of this church at the time, Pastor Alf Reese, approached me and said, have you ever thought about uh, becoming a licensed or ordained minister? And I said, well, I have, but I'd really like to be a missionary uh, recognized by a denomination. He said, well, we can't do that. You're not overseas. That was their, their, way, their understanding back then, that, that missionaries were only overseas. And I kept pushing them, saying, no, I want to be a missionary here in, in Toronto, and they said, no, we don't do that. So in 1987, they licensed me for ministry, which by that time, that's just when we started a church for street youth at, at Young Street Mission. I was the, the pastor, and uh, two years later, I fulfilled my time there. Um, uh, you have to do two years uh, of licensing, uh, and then ordination happens after the two years. And so in 1989, whoops, good thing I wasn't using that. Um, 
We'll worry about that later. Um, we have a budget for that. Um, and and uh, so I've been ordained since 1989 with this denomination and seconded to Young Street Mission. Um, but my ordination was not dependent on being at Young Street Mission. It continued, especially I found out that after 25 years, um, your ordination is permanent. So I've made it. Um, I'm, I'm stuck with being ordained. Uh, whatever happens in my life. Um, so in... In 1994, I was at one of our conferences, and I'd finished my time at Church on the Street and was doing another role, and we hadn't found a home church yet, and, uh, and was it, sorry, 1995, 90, and I was at the, our district conference, and they made a, a comment from the front saying, we know that we have some ordained ministers in our denomination that do not attend our churches, and at the time, we were not. And I looked around the room and I thought, I think he's talking to me because there's nobody else. I thought they didn't come and tell me. They just made an out the general announcement. And I looked around and checked around. I was the only one not attending a missionary church. And so we began attending um, uh, St. Clair in 1996. Had two great years there in the, with, the, with the Goldies. And, um, and then it came time to look for something else. And, uh, and so we ended up here in the last week of February of 1998. Rob Gulliver was the pastor who he just started here, I think, two or three weeks before we did. Um, which was great because I knew Rob a little bit. Um, and so that's how we ended up at this church. Uh, our first few... It, it was interesting because um, I always told Caitlin, if I ever used her for an illustration, I'd ask her. This isn't an illustration, just a little story. So I'm, I think I'm okay. Uh, we had gone to another church previous to uh, St. Clair, and, and Caitlin was not happy there. And she was just a little. Um, and at St. Clair, she enjoyed there. But when we came here, the very first week downstairs, had a great time and became her church. And uh, same with Jordan. And uh, Lil and I took a little bit longer to get comfortable here and to, to get to into this kind of, of church, but it was a great experience. Fast forward um, and, and come to the past few months. Uh, and as you know, uh, my time at Young Street Mission ended in December. And um, have enjoyed my time off in the past little while and uh, had a great experience of being able to go and do a, uh, a Camino uh, pilgrimage hike back in April, had a big vacation planned with our family from back, we booked it in October and, and um, took it in, in, uh, in uh, May. And uh, in the process of all that, uh, Pastor Bill resigned and then uh, Dale and I'd already been talking to our denomination about doing some interim work and not expecting that it would be here. Um, just so you know, when I told Lil and Caitlin about doing some interim work uh, and possibly looking at pastoral work, they both said to me very separately, independently, uh, that's great, Dad, if you want to do that, but um, just want you to know that uh, Wellspring's my home church, really like it there, and I'm going to continue going there even if you're at another church. 
that limits my options. <laughs> um, and not, again, not knowing that God would open up this. Uh, so I'm, I'm currently looking for work still, but uh, for the next four, four months, we have made a commitment to uh, working here, uh, serving the, uh, uh, the Wellspring community uh, three days a week. We'll look at that in a minute. Oh, another little story that just came. Um, so some of you know my father and that he pastored for, uh, in, in the denomination. But um, when I told him about taking this position, he laughed. And I thought he was laughing at me. Um, but he wasn't. He said, I have a story I've never told you. And it was about, uh, I hope I get her name right, uh, Layla Reese, Pastor Alf's wife. Is it Layla? Is that, is that how you say her name? And I knew her a little bit, not, not close or anything. Um, but numerous times we, we met with my parents or whatever. Um, she had said to my father... Uh, upon hearing about me getting ordained in 89, she said, he'd make a fine pastor at Wellspring one day. Now, back then it was Banfield. Yeah, I haven't even told Lil that. Uh, my dad just told me that like three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> just bizarre. Um, so that being said, is this just another Sunday at Wellspring? Well, again, for you, it may feel like that. For me, it, it does, and it's something different. Um, so I want to walk you through a, a few things uh, before we get into where we're going. Um, the interim pastor role, an initial four-month contract starting June 1st, so it goes through to the end of September, uh, three days a week, including Sundays, we, 24 hours more or less is the, is the contract. And if it takes more, sometimes we can rework that. And if it takes less, we'll figure that out too. Uh, we had some time tentatively booked for vacation in August, but uh, the, the deacons have said that's okay if I need to take that. So um, we'll see how that all comes out together. So uh, some of the responsibilities, uh, planning Sunday morning worship service with Jenna. As you know, Jenna does an awful lot here. And so I'll be uh, working alongside with her in that regard. Um, visiting uh, and other pastoral care uh, as, as needed. And so um, we have a, a, a new website or a new uh, email for me. I should have, I forgot, I was going to put my phone number up here on my cell phone. Uh, we'll have that up for next week as well as uh, there's a new uh, email for me, Ryan at wellspringtoronto.ca. Very simple. Okay, instead of Bill Hall, it's now Bill Ryan. Um, the exact same web, uh, email address except for that. Even, even four letters in the last name. You can stop calling me Billy, but if you want to continue calling me Billy, some of you have been doing that. Well, Pastor Bill was here. Uh, you can. Attending the deacon board meetings, uh, guiding a review of the core documents and strategic direction of the church, and uh, providing support to ministry staff and volunteers, and advising the pastor search committee. Uh, not be a voting member. It'll be helping them in the, the writing of the posting and, and going through the job descriptions. I have some experience uh, in doing that kind of HR work, and um, and vetting uh, the different resumes that will come through, and and just. Uh, Helping the, the, the search committee as they go through the whole process of looking for a new pastor for the church. 
and um, without that voting. Uh, we haven't talked about it, but I guess when it comes down, when we finally find somebody um, as, as a member, I guess I can vote then just like the rest of us. Um, Dale's not here, so I'll, find, I'll confirm that part. Um, so that's the basic role that's expected over the next four months or so. Um, again, there's another line that you don't see up there, but is in every job description. And that's other duties as assigned. Yeah, you've all had that in your job description, right? Yeah, watch out. Um, those core documents of this church. So about 12, 13 years ago, the, uh, the deacons board began working on uh, doing a, a revision of our church documents. And, and you've seen these at various times, including the, remember we used to have the, the, what we call the two pillars up there uh, on either side describing, and I'm going to walk us through very quickly. Sorry, I could turn my computer back on, but it'll probably just fall over again. So I'm going to keep turning around and looking at this. We as a part of the body of Christ in this place acknowledge that we have been created by God for God's pleasure and for a relationship with him. Grounded in the foundation of Jesus Christ, we are about focusing, equipping, and mobilizing people to make a difference in their lives, in the lives of individuals, their communities, and the world. So that's our overall vision statement. Now, we're going to be reviewing these again over the next few months, but that's a solid vision statement, uh, mission statement that we have. Um, And then out of that comes our vision statement, to be a church that makes a difference. Now you're starting to remember, remember the pillar that was over on this side? Um, for Christ, in our community, in our city, and in the world at large. Um, so whenever I would meet new people coming to visit Wellspring, I would always point that out to them and say, you know, great to have you here. Um, and uh, we'd love to have you continue coming back. And, but if you do, just want you to know that um, if you want to be attending this church, you have to make a difference. And uh, we're not looking for people to come here who are just going to sit around uh, or just uh, that aren't going to be involved. And one Sunday morning, Pastor Bill heard me say that to a couple. And he pulled me aside after and he goes, that's why nobody ever comes back. But we are, convi- we are committed to that, that Christianity, our faith is not just about words, but it's about deeds, it's about action. It's about the, the kingdom of God and being involved and making a difference uh, in the world for, uh, for Jesus Christ. And we want each member to find their expression of spirituality uh, to be rooted in a deep relationship with God through his Son and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to develop their own spiritual gifts in order to minister effectively to both the body and the world. By the way, I should have stopped. Dorothy, can you two hear me? Am I loud enough? Okay, good. Um, our values, the values were posted over on that side, and that's the spirituality um, and community. And mission. 
And so you find all these things in what's been going on here at Wellspring over the last 10 years in particular. As we have developed various ministries and encouraged uh, other ministries to take place. And so some of you have been involved with Jess program. Many of you have been involved in Jess program. Some of you involved with Ava. Some of you have been involved at Adam House. Some of you came and helped at Young Street Mission. Uh, Some in in other organizations uh, in the city, uh, Love in Action, um, which is for North York, uh, North York Pregnancy Center. Uh, th- that's just listing it just a few of the places where different members at, y- uh, at, 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 at Wellspring have been involved. I can't believe I almost said that. Um, have been involved in making a difference for Christ, in building community and, and finding expression of their Christian faith uh, in, in our city. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch that, that we really do care about. I remember one board meeting, we were asked to, to review the, um, this, this would have been back in 88, 80, or not, not 08, 09. Um, we were asked to review the, the church uh, membership list. And as we were doing that, I began just putting a check beside uh, people's names uh, and at the time, we had about 120 people attending and, um, and, and just checking off who was involved in different ministries. And sometimes I would write down a Sunday school teacher, board member, worship leader, wherever people were involved. Um, and I checked off 82 out of 100 adults. Most churches are working at having... They're really happy if they get 20% of the congregation involved in the life of the church. We're the opposite, and it continues to be that, that we have about 82% of the people that are involved, actively involved in some shape or form of ministry in the church. The other 20, by the way, I didn't forget about them. They're the children. Um, And uh, so they have their own form of involvement in the church. So that's who we are as a church. And we need to stop now and think, okay, what's the next step for us as a body of believers? Um, And so we're going to be reviewing some of these documents. Maybe they need some wording changes, updating, maybe rewrite them completely. But we'll we'll see. We'll we'll be presenting this over the next couple months uh, and talking about, uh, is this really what you still want to be as a church? Well, that's the first 20 minutes. Um, the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to talk about uh, where we're going for Sunday mornings in particular and our, our theme. And I thought, why don't we, actually I've been talking about this for a couple of years. It would be really good if we start to, to go back and look at the basics of the Christian faith and, and start some teaching again. In um, So what does it really mean to be a Christian, what is it? What is it? Uh, and what is it that we believe? So, it's believe in action. We're really good at action, and we're pretty good at what we believe. But we're going to spend the, the next uh, thirteen weeks looking, in particular, what we believe, and we're going to do that through looking at the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and we're going to. So, this morning is that introduction uh, to the Apostles' Creed. Um, oh, sorry, that's the last one. That was just that summary of everything. I should have had that up for you to look at. So here's what we're going to be looking at. Now that last song that Kenzie and and the worship team just led us in, that song was based on the Apostles' Creed. You 
know the, the Apostles' Creed, whether you think you know it or not. And you're going to see it, I think, in the next slide. Um, but here's the different topics that we're going to be looking at. Now, when we look at it, it's not, it's not going to be just me speaking. We'll have different members of the congregation, as we always have, uh, walking through it. And uh, it was interesting. I was talking to Rita last night about this. And, um, and she was saying, and I hope I, I, I word it correctly, she said, this is going to be interesting because I've changed over the years. And it's not that I don't believe the Apostles' Creed anymore. But I have different takes on it and different angles and maybe a, a, a deeper understanding of it than I did 30 years ago. And so we're all on different journeys and we're going to have different ages of people speaking and, and the expression of, 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 of the, these basic understandings of Christianity will take on different flavors because of different people and different experiences in life. The same teaching... But hopefully that each Sunday you come, you're going to be, be learning something new or a different angle. Or you're going to go, well, I've always believed it, but never looked at it that way before. And what difference does it make in my life because I believe those things? So what I'd like you to do now, I'd like you to all, all stand. And we are going to read the Apostles' Creed together. It's in our hymn books in the back, but um, we're going to... I thought I'd just put it up here so you're not looking down. This way you're, you're all looking at it together. So let's start. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. Everybody's seen that before? Nothing new, right? Um, it's a compact statement putting down the basic, the ABCs of what it means to be Christian in the belief side of things. So, and it starts with, I believe. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Um, but I want to give you a little bit of background as to where this came from. And uh, so we're going to look at some of the history of it. Oops. Um, it began, as far as we can tell, because it's really hard to find ancient documents. That's what archaeologists do. Uh, they go around looking for this kind of stuff. And sometimes we just find little pieces of things. Um, and so we have found, because remember, it wasn't written on the paper that we know today. It was papyrus or more than likely on animal skin that was written on. Um, and that stuff deteriorates. And so we're lucky to find any of these old documents that, that, that we, we've been able to find. Remember, it was all written by hand. Um, and so 
in around 180, so we, we have the, the New Testament was all written between uh, the earliest book of the New Testament. Was, Jesus died around 33 AD or CE, um, and 48 a, uh, CE is when probably uh, Galatians was written. That's the, the first uh book of, of the new testament that that we we know was written and again we don't have there's no dates on these things we have to date them according to what's in there and and the in-depth historical study of them uh the gospels um matthew mark and luke were probably written between 65 and 70 a.d uh the gospel of john was probably written much later 85 90 um and the book of revelation was probably written around 95 um, we have other documents that were written, but again, they're little fragments and pieces. And we're looking at copies of them. We don't have the originals. And so around 100 AD, there were different what we call the church fathers, um, uh, bishops, pastors, and we have some little pieces of their letters that they would write back and, back and forth. And so Irenaeus and Tertullian some of those early writers. And within their writings, there are different lines there that are that look identical to what we have today in what we just read. But it's just a line here and a line there, not the whole thing as a document. Um, and then there was a, another document that was called the Old Roman Symbol or Creed. And it was probably written in around 240 uh, A.D. And written, uh, so that's like 200 years after the time of Christ. And it's the first document that we have that seems to put everything together. The basic teachings of Christianity. Uh, and and they're, they're outlining what it is to be Christian. What is it that we believe? And, uh, and it's a shorter version of what we know today as the, the Apostles' Creed. Um, and it's missing in particular the Trinitarian teaching that the Apostles' Creed has. I, if I remember correctly, it doesn't actually mention the Holy Spirit. However, by 325 AD, that became a huge issue. And there were those that didn't, that, that didn't see the Holy Spirit as a part of God. Um, so by that time, Christianity had become the Roman religion. Constantine was the emperor, and Christianity was his faith. And so he took 300 of the church's top theologians, teachers, and he literally locked them in a castle, and he said, don't come out until you agree on the, the, the teachings uh, uh, of Christianity. And so they were, lo- they were they had taken two or three weeks, and they weren't getting anything done, but once he locked the doors on them, they got it all done in about three days. Just inspiration. Um, and they, it, what came out was the Nicene Creed. By 381, they, they just had to, to make some adjustments. And so the Nicene Creed is, is the basic creed that all the churches hold to, including the Eastern Orthodox churches. And in particular, it was written because of the understanding of coming up with, with a solid understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so its main emphasis, uh, and during those 50 years, was about what do we really believe about the Holy Spirit? The other issue that was, that was really important was there were people out there teaching 
different views of who Jesus is. And some would say uh, he didn't really exist as a person, that, he, that there was no real human being called Jesus, that he, it was just spirit who would reveal itself every so often uh, to the disciples. There are other ones that said, no, he was just a man, not truly God. There's some that would say, well, he was partly man, mainly man, but partly God. And so there's, uh, but the basic teaching, the understanding of the Christian church was fully human, fully God. And so these documents that were written were to make it clear that he is fully God. Um, And so that's the Nicene Creed. The final version that we have of the Apostles' Creed, which is a little bit longer than the Nicene Creed, and a little... You read the, if you just read the two together, you wouldn't even notice the differences. You have to take some time and look at them. But the final version of what we call the Apostles' Creed today was probably 710, 714, when we have our, our first full document that has the whole uh, teaching there. So it took a while to get around to it. Not that we didn't believe it. It was just getting it written down and having it in a formula so that we have it in the way today. Um, hopefully that doesn't drag on too much. Uh, ch- current usage is found in what we call liturgical churches. That is um, where you have revelation and response, or teaching and response. And so uh, in churches such as Anglican Church, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, um, uh, some of the Methodist churches, uh, you have you been to, the, or you've seen these churches where there's the reading and then the response of the congregation? That's what we call the liturgy, and it's all written out, pre pre written, and um, and so a lot of the the liturgical churches use it, but so do other churches, like many evangelical churches. Um, we have read it here maybe once every two years. It ha- it isn't something that we practice on a regular basis, but it does happen. Um, now, I, I, I put may in this statement. It's pretty basic. It doesn't get into all the distinctives. It doesn't describe, for instance, there's controversy over infant baptism, adult baptism, baptism, full immersion, uh, sprinkling. It doesn't get into the Eucharist or communion or Lord's Supper. It doesn't get into the gifting of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't get into um, the, the different understandings of, of prayer. Uh, it doesn't get into uh, various lifestyle choices. It's the, just the, it's the basics, the ABCs. And I put there, you may not be Christian. Well, I struggled for about 20 years with the Trinity, I think I'm still Christian. Um, I just couldn't get my head around it, and I still can't get my head around it fully. I've come to the conclusion that when I don't understand it, it's a mystery, and mystery is okay. Um, So that's why I put the may in there. Also because there may be people that, that fully hold to the teachings of the Apostles' Creed, but they don't actually live it out. And so there's, you know, by the fruit we shall know each other. Um, but and they will know each other by our love, and and so it has to be hand in hand with both. Um, it is our confession of faith. Uh, it was it's there to respond to uh, teachings, 
uh, of heresy. Uh, some churches, they actually bring it to the front and they read it out step by step. And the person, they ask it in question form. And before they can be baptized, the person answers yes to each question. Um, liturgical worship, as we mentioned before. Some churches have it where you, you have your confession of faith. And then you spend a year or so in classes understanding what you just say you agree to. And, and so, like we're going to be doing week after week, people would go to catechism or teaching classes and learn the basic teachings for each one. And some people do it in their daily devotions and prayer life. They use it as a, an actual prayer, as a confession to God. So the last five minutes, I just want to talk about the very first two words. What we believe. Um, to believe is to accept as truth and assume truth. Uh, to believe requires an openness of mind and spirit. We want to believe the truth. We want to believe it. Um, it doesn't contradict science. Uh, it doesn't contradict what we know to be true. It doesn't contradict history. So we use our mind, but it's also, and, sorry, not but, and it is guided by our spirit. That it, in our spirit, it rings true. And we go, yeah, there's something about this that makes sense. We're going to come back to that one in a minute. Um, but it doesn't require complete proof. We can never prove what we believe. That's what makes a difference. It, it, it's not absolute truth. Um, and, and, the, and the tension is we want it to be. And so sometimes we want to believe so hard that we go, I know that I know that I know. Except that if, except that if you know solidly, then it's no longer belief. And that's the difference is that it, it takes, the, at some point there is a stepping out, not fully sure where you're going to land when you enter into the world of belief. It's just as much part of reality, but it's that we, we never fully can know for certain. We might feel it in our soul, and our spirit. We go, yes, I believe, I believe, I believe. But you believe, you cannot know for certain. There will always be room for error, room for doubt. And there have been things that the Christians have believed fully, only to find out later on in history that they were wrong. And so we have to leave that room, that margin for error. Um, every religion is based on belief. Every philosophy, every worldview is based on belief. It's, we don't know for sure. I'm not trying to put doubt in your mind. I want you to believe solidly and, and fully. Um, but that's what the difference is here. Uh, it, it's, we, yes, we have the facts of the New Testament. We have the facts of the Old Testament. We, have, we, can, we can go through and we can say, yes, Jesus as a person walked on earth, uh, lived, died, and rose again. But at some point there's a, a leap of faith going, yes, I do believe this. Because people don't believe it as well. Um, and so I, I want to use the word here trans or, or that prefix there. 
Um, it gets used in many different contexts today, but in particular, I want to use it as in it, it's trans certainty. It's trans truth. It's truth and more. It, it, it's that stepping out to something beyond uh, that, that we have. And so sometimes there, there is within us doubt or, or, or the, the desire to have, that there are those who are scientific minds that, that only want, if I can't see it, taste it, touch it, hear it, smell it, if it's not concrete, then I can't believe it. But there's something else within us. So Thomas would have been that kind of person. Unless I can reach out and touch him and put my hands in his side and touch, touch the nail prints in his hands, I cannot believe that Jesus came back to earth. He was a concrete thinker. But there was that other man whose son was having maybe epileptic fits that sometimes threw himself into a fire and, and things, and, and the disciples could not deal with it. And, um, and Jesus asked the man, do you want your son to be healed? And he said, yes. And he says, do you believe I can heal him? And the man says, yes, I do, but help me in my unbelief. I want to believe, I want to believe but there's that spirit of doubt that's there, and I can't help it. And so it's beyond. Belief is to, to, to take that step out into the unknown, into the mystery of life. So Brett Michaels, some of you might know who he is, some of you don't. I can guarantee you some of you don't, because he, he's the, the lead singer for a rock band called Poison. Um, and... Uh, now you know, so you can go home and listen, look him up. Um, but in one of his songs he wrote in 1991, he was struggling because a dear close friend, his closest friend, who was a, uh, a, a Vietnam War veteran and dealing with all the pain and suffering that he went through and rejection by everybody when he returned back home from Vietnam, uh, he died. And he was struggling with it and didn't know how to express his great sorrow. And so he wrote this song, um, Something to Believe in. And he's crying out and saying, God, please give me something to believe in. Give me something to believe in. If there's a Lord above and give me something to believe in, O Lord, arise. It's the prayer of his heart. Where does it come from? There's something that has stirred him up. I don't know his background or anything else. But something stirred within him that in the midst of all his pain and sorrow, he transformed and moved beyond just the real solid world that he lived in and had the questions of spirituality and wondered, is there a God and I need something to hold on to? And that's what we're talking about when we talk about faith. So when you, look at, when you go home and look up, up on, on YouTube, uh, you can scroll down and read all the different things that people write. And so, so this was written in 91. Some guy two years ago says, I'm 49 and I'm still looking for something to believe in. And I love this song and it gives me hope. People have a desire, a burning desire within them. To have faith. I, uh, for, for three years I was mentoring a young man um, who had uh, lost everything. Came from a good home in Ottawa but lost everything. 
because of addictions that he developed while entering his first two years of, of university. And, um, and then got into AA and uh, NA and uh, was in recovering, came back to Toronto. And um, as part of a program, he needed to have a mentor. And so I was his mentor. And for him, we had n- continual conversations about God. Now, being in AA, he had to have a higher being. He could not name his higher being as God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or anything to do with Christianity for whatever reason. But his faith, when you ask him to describe his higher being, it was the exact same words we use for God that we're going to look at next week. Um, and, uh, and so there within him was this huge desire for belief. It's there within us. And so for the next 13 weeks now, we're going to spend time at looking at what it is that we believe. Uh, because it will make a difference in our lives. Our belief changes how we live. It's at the core of our being, and it comes from inside and finds its expression in our actions. We believe. Let's pray.